1: Giving honor to God today. Father, we give honor to you today to Jesus Christ, the one who saved us from eternal damnation and to the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us, who is always there to lead us and guide us into truth and understanding. We give honor to the Trinity on today. We Give honor to our pastor, Bishop Jackson, who is on the mission field in Africa. And so we thank God for the work that's being done and that we are a part of it. Even though many of us have not been on the mission field with him, I have. And it was an honor to be able to see um, the work on the mission field, Um, but some of us have not but to be a part of it, that we are a part of a ministry that cares about the spreading of the gospel, not only in our communities, but abroad, because the Lord wants to see people come to know him. So we thank you. We praise God for Bishop Jackson and Lady Jackson. We give God honor for them. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Clap your hands for our leaders. Amen. Praise the Lord. I also give honor for my husband, Carlton Smalls, and uh, his presence. I love you. I love you so much. And to this beautiful congregation of people who love the Lord, I am both nervous and excited to bring the word on today. And um, I thank and I praise God that He's allowed me to preach the gospel. I'm coming into um, more of a comfort to embrace that about me that the Lord has indeed called me to preach the gospel. So the words that come forth from me today, they will not be mine because I've submitted everything to that of the Holy Spirit. So I ask everyone here today and those who are online to please listen and listen carefully. I know preachers have a habit to say, I'm not going to be before you long, but that's not my intention. I'm going to keep my hand on this trigger here and try to get through this as quickly as I possibly can. But I refuse to rush for the sake of getting through it because I feel like what I need to say is important. Thank you, Kenton for your song selection today because it flows in the vein of what I want to talk to you about today. I did not read the scripture reference in the beginning, so I'm going to have to do that now. And so our scripture reference is going to come from Psalm 63. And I'm going to read for you from uh, starting at verse 1 all the way through verse 8. And if you could grab that, use your phones and grab that. I'm going to be coming, and don't go too far away. I know you um, need a time of reprieve, Kenton, to do what you guys usually do during the break, but I'm going to need you somewhere through the sermon. Uh, But you don't have to stay on the keys all the way through. NIV version is where I'm coming from. So we're going to start here on verse 1, at verse 1. It says, You, God... Oh my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The title of the message today is going to be whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. before I get into that, I want to first say happy birthday. We didn't do this last Sunday, but happy birthday to everyone born in the month of March. God bless your lives and we love you. And we just wanted to acknowledge you on today and also wanted to acknowledge the women here in the building and online. Happy International Women's Month. It was celebrated on the 8th, and if we can just give the women in here and online a hand clap, let's clap for the women. You know, women have achieved a lot. We've come through a lot of challenges through the years. Yes, we have, and uh, we have achieved a whole lot. You may not think that you've achieved much, um, but I'm here to tell you, my friend, you have. You in your sphere of influence have impacted somebody's life. Even if you think that what you're doing is minuscule, it is not to the Lord. Amen. So I want to encourage you on today to keep pushing. Be encouraged. Even when you want to cry and give up, I encourage every woman in this place today. And men, you are included, but I just want to give a little focus to women today. Don't give up. Don't fear. Be encouraged because the Lord, your God, is with you. Amen? Amen. Just wanted to say that. So now let's get back to the scripture here in Psalm 63. Again, the title of my message is, whatever it takes. Let me give you a little background drop here of this particular psalm. It was written by a very familiar psalmist here. We know him, right? His name is David, right? David was the king over Israel for quite some time. But this particular passage of scripture was written when David was on the run. Many commentaries say that it was during the period of time when he was running from King Saul. There are some other commentaries that say that perhaps it was written when David had been exiled for a brief period of time due to his son Absalom's rise up against him. Do you remember the challenge and the tension between David and Absalom and how uh, Absalom tried to usurp the throne. So, but many commentators say that they really believe this was during the time when David was on the run from Saul. And if you don't know too much about the wilderness of Judah, it wasn't full of uh, foliage. It was desert land. So you have here King David, or soon to be King David, on the run in a dry and parched land. This is where he gets his imagery from. I love David because he has a flair for imagery in his writings, and he puts you in the mind space of what he's going through or what is happening at the time or the image of his surroundings at the time. So we see him here. He says, oh God, even in this dry place, even in this land that is parched, where no water can be found, I still long and thirst for you. You see, at this place where David is, the sanctuary proper was not in his reach. We know today the sanctuary is not this building where we are now. But for David, the spirit of God did not dwell in him like he dwells in us. The spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament only came upon the people. So when he's speaking about not being able to reach the sanctuary, and he is remembering how he beheld God's power and glory when he was once in a place where he was near the sanctuary. He remembers. His mind goes back before being exiled or before he was on the run to a place where he was able to touch God, where God was able to touch him. And he says on in the psalm, in the passage, he says, your love is better than life. So even though I'm in this place where I am thirsty, where I don't see my way through, where I don't know when Saul is going to stop running behind me, even in a place where it looks dismal, I held you in the sanctuary or beheld you in a sanctuary so I know what it feels like to be in your presence and your love and your kindness and your mercy your grace is better than my very life I would rather experience you in your power in your love and in your mercy than the air I breathe you are essential to me And I won't forget it. That's what he's saying here. I want to share with you a post I made on Facebook. And it was made on March the 4th. I have the date here down. And I wrote it on a Friday. And I wrote it specifically for people who were married or who were or wanting to be married. And I, I want to read this out to you. So let me get it here. And this was for people who are or may be experiencing dryness in marriage or parchedness in marriage. But you're going to see in a moment that this just does not, is not exclusive to those who are married. So this is what the Lord gave me. He says, absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Quite the contrary, it creates a chasm that causes or threatens the instability or the stability in a relationship. No communication equals no communion. No communion equals no mental and emotional intimacy. No intimacy equals a marriage going through the motions. Christian marriages are not exempt. You must press through. You must press through together or know this. Satan is at the door crouching, waiting for a moment to destroy you. Like I said, this was initially written with marriage in mind, but it certainly can compare to our relationship with God. You see, when you are not near him because of whatever the case may be, it doesn't make your heart want him anymore. Quite the contrary. The more time you spend away from God, the harder it seems to get back in right position with him. The more time you spend thinking, well, I don't need to pray I don't need to join, grow closer or get closer. I'm okay the way I am. Knowing that you are dry, knowing that you are thirsty, and you think because you've been able to routinely handle your life that you will be all right, I'm here to tell you it does not make your heart grow fonder or want the presence of God because you then start operating in your own strength and not even know that this is what you're doing. So today I simply wanna encourage communication, communion and intimacy between you and the lover of your soul. I wanna encourage that today. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot continue to think we got it together. Let me give you a couple of definitions of the words I've mentioned. You know how we use some words so frequently and so commonly sometimes we forget what they mean sometimes and the importance, or the, uh, the importance of the word may escape us because we use it so, so much. Like when I tell you I love you or you tell me you love me. Do you really think about what that means or what you're saying to me? Do you really love me or is it just a thing to say because it's routinely said? I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Or even I love you, God. It's the right thing to say, isn't it? It's a good thing to say. But do we now think about what it really means when we say to God, I love you. What type of responsibility Does that that word or that phrase place on us? God has no problem. God has no problem understanding what love is. He showed us through what he did with his son at the cross. If that's not an expression of what love is, I don't know what is. So God does not vacillate back and forth of what love means. But because we are human, and because sometimes we say things without thinking about what we're saying, we need to be reminded of what the word love means, especially when we say it to each other. And more importantly, first, when we say it to God. Kenton mentioned as he was ministering a few moments ago when he was talking about what God was saying to him as he was reading his devotions? Do we really understand the part that we play, our part in the relationship cultivation between us and God? Do we just want the hand of God and the grace of God to cover us up whenever we fall? Or do we really want the holiness of God to look right, not just to look right? Because many of us can look right. We can sound right, but how many of us really want to be right? These are questions that we really have to think through, because the easy answer is to say, "Oh, I'm right with God, I'm saved." Uh, how how does it go? I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and fire baptized. I ask you, how you doing? You say you're blessed and highly favored. But on the inside, you're crumbling because your relationship with God needs some attention. Some of you are dry and parched and thirsty and don't even know it. Have you ever been a person who is so used to drinking sodas and juices and feel that it's quenching your thirst, but then you get a glass of water And you began to drink the water and the water begins to dribble from your lips because you didn't know how thirsty you were until you began to drink the water and not the soda not the juice not all the other things that we've placed in place put in place of the water and you say to yourself God I was thirsty I didn't realize I was so thirsty until I put this water to my lips and began to drink And feel how it went down my esophagus and satisfied me. Some of us needs to be satisfied the right way. So I want to share with you a couple of words here. The word of communication. If I ask you what that means, you probably would give this pretty much definition. It means the sharing and imparting of information from one person to the other. It's not a deep thing, I'm talking to you, you talking to me, we catching up, we may have to go over some business, it's the sharing of information, is it important, yes it's important, but that's not the deepest space of, of, of communication with God, yes we share information with the, the Lord, we tell the Lord how our day is going, and we let him know how we're fee- feeling, but it's not the deepest place of communication, that cultivates relationship, okay? We have another word that we overuse, and sometimes people think of it as a sexual word, but this word is not necessarily a sexual word, but it can be, okay? It's intimate, intimacy. What is intimacy? It is a state marked by closeness and connection between two people. It is an endearing feeling that has the connection of emotion tied to it. I have an intimate set of friends. That doesn't mean that I'm sexual with them. But there is an intimacy between a man and a woman that is physical. There are different types of intimacy that we all at some point in time embark on. And we'll talk about those. The next word I want to say to you is communion when that word comes to your mind and first you might think of what we do on Sunday mornings the first Sundays we have communion and that's a very good uh, example of communion but let me give you what it means in the natural here it is the sharing and exchange of thoughts <laughs> and feelings one between the other so when we're communing with God we're just not talking to him but we're sharing and he's exchanging with us we're feeling him and he's feeling us our heartbeats become as one we are in sync with one another we love on each other he reproves and corrects me and loves me all at the same time and I lift my hands or if I'm on my knees I worship And I thank him for who he is in my life, and forgetting about the things that I need or want, or think I need or think I want. But I beheld or I behold his presence, and all I can see is his beauty. That's all. Not what he can do. Not how one. Not how sovereign he is. Yes, I see that, but not how mighty, or how ready he is to fight on my behalf. All of those are byproducts. But when I am in communion with the Lord, all I can do is just behold his beautiful face and reach out my hands and imagine myself touching his side where the blood and water came out and say, thank you for loving me so much. I want to commune with you. I want to be a part of you. I want you to be a part of me. I don't ever want to see the end. I don't ever want to see the end. I want to be internally always connected to you. And whenever I am not connected with you, I'm like, David, I feel the parchness. I feel the dryness. I know when I'm thirsty, but sometimes I don't move toward it because I don't know that in the state I am, God, would you accept me back? I know the answer, but your mind plays tricks with you, and Satan is always crouching, ready to put in your mind's mind doubts about God's love for you. But there's one thing that will never change, and that's God's love to you. Never, I told Brother Kenton, we're going to change up the words to this song. And I understand the meaning that the writer had for the song. I'm chasing after you. But to chase behind, the God, behind God in the song to me created a picture of God running and I'm chasing. And I don't want the people when we're singing to think that they have to chase and God is running and they can ever catch up. Because when you pursue God, he turns and he looks at you and he opens up his arms wide and say, come. That's what he does. He's not running away from us. He's standing there waiting for you to realize that he has never left and he'll never forsake you. So this message today is for the people who know that they are dry and that they're thirsty And for the people who didn't realize it, and maybe today, you will realize, I really need more of God. You know, when you're not with the Lord, you become frustrated. You don't know why. Your life becomes discombobulated. You don't understand why things are going on in your life. You feel by yourself. There's a slow and steady decline of interest in praying and fasting and reading and and pursuing God and wanting to know him better. There's a neglect that happens when we don't pay attention to the Lord. We begin to find fulfillment in other things or in other people, anything. Because if we realize this, maybe we don't sometimes, God has created us by nature to want him To thirst for Him, to crave Him, to desire Him. That is instinctive. And the only thing that can fill the craving is God Himself. Nothing else. How many of you can remember the first time, the very first time when you really, for real, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I remember. I remember being in college at Winthrop University. I always knew him because my mom, my my family made sure I grew up in church. And that was important because it developed a a blueprint or a journey that I did not wish to part from. So when I came off to school, to college, I made sure and joined myself to a church. because Because it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And so... I didn't know the Lord. I heard about him. I saw my mother. I saw my church family back at home in the Baptist church. I saw the preacher who was my godfather. I saw that they had a fire for God. And I often re- wondered God, what is this that keeps them like all oh, just on fire? And the passion, I, I knew of them, but I didn't know them. Until I came off the school and that blessed day night in a Bible study in what's called Roddy Apartments in the basement. Me and a couple of friends and, at Bible study and someone introduced me to Jesus, the lover of my soul. And it was on that night, that wonderful night, I was filled with the precious Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, and I can remember walking out of that basement with my friends across campus going to my dorm, which was in Lee Wicker, across campus near the cafeteria. And my mouth could speak no English words because the Spirit of God was just pouring and pouring out of my mouth. I couldn't even out of one word in English because the spirit of God was getting me acquainted with his spirit by speaking with this evidence of speaking in tongues it was a wonderful feeling it was a passionate feeling it was something I said to myself I don't ever want to be without the presence of God in my life now everybody won't speak in tongues does that mean you're not saved of course not okay if you don't speak in tongues and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe it in your heart, and you said it with your mouth, you are saved. But if you want a little bit more, if you want a little bit more and you have not been baptized by the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I encourage you, and if you don't know much about it, email us, get in contact with us here at the church, and let us help you. I will guarantee you, It will change your dullness into shining light. The Spirit of God will help water the places where you have been dry. So I remember when I first really became passionate about the things of God. I want you to take a moment and think about it. We did a couple of weeks ago a a, a series, and we'll be doing it. For the remainder of this year, remainder of this year, Top Talks, or Top Talk, in the, ser- in the series that we are currently doing, it's called How to Keep the Fire Burning. I would like for each one of you, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to it, to go back and take a listen to the first one, and the second one was released a couple of weeks ago, and I think we have three so, f- three so far, I believe. Go back... Take a listen. You're going to hear real people telling you real experiences about God and what it takes to keep the fire burning. Because just because we are saved doesn't mean that every day the fire is burning. There's a place in God that requires maintenance. It requires us to cultivate and make sure that the coals, C-O-A-L, on our heart does not burn down to a place where we can't feel. And I use the word feel. And we know we walk by faith and not sight, but it's always good to feel the presence every now and again moving deep down in your soul. Sometimes that can be the life or the death of you. God ju- does allow you to feel him. I want you to be encouraged today to go back and listen. I think on one of those series, I was very candid and opened, opened about in, uh, a time in my life where I felt far away. And it was during the time where I had, um, between kids, had multiple um, miscarriages that I could not understand why the Lord was allowing it to happen, and I began to retreat. And I want to say to you, if you're feeling that the Lord is not understanding where you are or not understanding your circumstance and your situation, do not retreat. All the more, go for him. Pursue his presence because he is still standing in that same place. It is you that has moved away. God will never move away from you. We always do the moving. So I want to encourage you today. If you feel like you're in a place where God doesn't understand you, you don't understand you, you don't understand what's happening in your life, do not retreat. I found myself still coming to the church house, even though I was hurting on the inside. I sat in the back back there. I couldn't do praise and worship. I was too far. But I knew one thing. I seen his power and beheld his glory in the sanctuary. So even at the time when I could not feel his presence on the inside of me, I had to make sure that I placed my feet in the sanctuary because in the midst of God, people, there is strength. So I want to encourage those who have retreated from the sanctuary. Come on back in. You're going to find some strength in the midst of people who love you And the power and the presence of God is going to meet you there. Sometimes you just need to get around a different company of people. And then to make it all the better, come on back to the sanctuary. We're wearing our masks. Everybody here got on their masks. I just don't have on mine, but I got it here as soon as I finished preaching. I'll put it on. Come on back in here. You know you're drowning. You know you're thirsty. You know you're dry, but you're sitting on... Facebook or on YouTube and watching, come on back to the sanctuary and allow the Lord to quench the thirst as the people of God gather around you and let you know that He's it's all right. You got to get in the place where you can sense the presence of the God and of God until you're able to sense them on your own independently. There's no problem, it's not an issue when you're weak. For the Lord says, when I am weak, you make me strong. And God has put people around us to help us in our weakness. I thank God for when I'm weak, I can go to my husband and he strengthens me. I thank God when I'm weak, I have certain people I can call and say, let me tell you, I'm feeling like this today. I don't feel like no minister. I don't feel like no mother. I don't feel like no wife. I feel like this. I need some help. But the Lord says in his word, he says that he is our help, even as we read it in the scripture before. But God has always placed a safety net of people around you that will help you through the hard times if you just put down your pride and say, I need your help. I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed to say, listen, I need some help. I say it makes me all the better. It makes me all the more vulnerable to the very presence of God because I don't want to have no walls built up between me and him because you see, I'm like David, I know what it felt like in the sanctuary. So when I'm dry, when I'm parched, I don't want that to be my normal. I don't want it to be my new normal. I don't want it to be a commonplace thing me because I need to feel the rivers of a life springing up inside of me, flowing over in me. Hallelujah. That's what I need. I don't know if you need it too, but whenever you drive, you better recognize it and ask the Lord to give you some help. So I have um, some help or some things I want to share with you today that I hope is going to help you want to stay connection, connected to the very power and the presence of God. And I'm going to pull from a couple of women in the Bible since this is International Women's Month. And I, I look at these women and I, I say, God, I see, I see myself in all these women at some point in time in my life. So I want to share some help for you that will help you through your dryness and your parched land. So the first is this, you got to want to touch him. You got to want to touch him. You got to want to be filled again. And I take my lead from the woman in the book of Mark chapter 5. We all know her. We've all been here at some point of time in some varying ways. It's the woman with the issue of blood who suffered For 12 long years and suffered many things from many doctors. But instead of finding herself growing better, she began to grow worse. But someone told her or she heard the beat out on the street that Jesus Christ was in the area. And she made up in her mind that I remember what it felt like to be well. I've been sick for 12 years and I can't let this be my normal so she bypassed all the normals. She, she, she bypassed everything people would say about her if she went out in the community because to have a free-flowing uh, 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 bleeding going on was something that, she, that made her unclean. So she said, I'm tired of this. I can't live like this no more. I tried everything I knew how to try. I went to every doctor. I spent all my money, all my savings, and I'm not well, I got to take a risk. raw, not caring what anyone would say. So she went, she went. I don't know if she crawled under people's legs. I don't know if she said, excuse me. I don't know if she had any of that that, that protocol, but it probably was looking at her, looking at her with their nose turned up. I don't know what they did, but they did know she wasn't supposed to be there. And she grabbed a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. Because she said in the Bible, if I but only touch him, I'll be made whole. So I want to encourage you today, if you only but touch him, he'll make you whole. If you only are desperate enough to drink of the fountain that will never, ever, run dry if you only would think back how you used to feel when you first encountered the presence of the Lord and began to have a longing and a thirst for that place in him again if you only put down your pride and not think about what everybody else is thinking oh I'm minister so and so I'm pastor so and so I'm I'm the one in the church that everyone comes to. I'm the one that everyone calls. If you only put all that aside and say, God, I need you. And if I but only touch you, you'll make me whole. You will make me whole. So I encourage you, be like her. Be like this wonderful woman in the Bible with the issue of blood that was looked at in disdain, but she didn't care. You got to have a, I don't care, atmosphere. I need to be filled over and over and over again. Number two, you got to stop protecting the thoughts that incite the fear that God might not do this for me. This is another woman. She may not be the most... uh, Woman, the woman that we would give the most accolades. But I give her accolades today because she was a strong woman. You know her. She's in John chapter 11. She is the sister of Mary. Her name is Martha. And if you'll let me, I want to read this account for you in uh, John chapter 11. I want, I want you to listen to Martha's thought process. This is a strong woman. She's used to handling and multitasking. And making sure everyone else is okay. She's used to doing that. She's used to getting things done on her own. Regardless of who helps her or not. She's a powerful woman. But let's look at her mind. Her her mindset. How she's thinking right here in John 11. And bear with me. She says. Let me get here. She says. It says Martha. Martha says this. She says. Lord. Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now God will give you anything that you ask. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading and paraphrases at the same time so I can kind of get through the scriptures here. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. So he's addressing her fear or her despair rather. He says, Martha, your brother is going to rise again. So she got an answer. She says, I know he will rise again in the last day during the resurrection. I know that. I know that. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, they will not die but have life. He says, whoever lives by believing in me will not die. Then he challenges her thought process here. He says, do you believe this? Martha is a smart woman. She doesn't want to answer him right off, but this is what she says. She says, Yes, Lord, she reply, replies. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that was to come into the world. Now, she doesn't answer his question, but she didn't want to not give an answer. Did you see that? Jesus asked her, do you believe that I am the life, that I can give life? I believe that you are the Messiah, the one to come. She does not say or answer to him directly, yes, I believe. So what do I see here with Martha? Martha is saying everything in what she's not saying to Jesus. Jesus, I know you. You are a friend of the family. But can I rely on you to do what I need you to do for me right now? My brother is dead and I love him. But can you do what I need you to do for me? He's dead. He's been in the grave for four days. What can you do? Are you really God? Do you really see how I'm hurting? And can you be trusted? That's what she wanted to say. But she didn't want to offend Jesus. This is me talking. The scripture don't say this. But I see her, because you know why? Because I was her. Father, can I trust you to see this thing through for me? Can you fix this thing that I know I don't have the ability to fix? I can fix food for you, Jesus. I can handle a crowd for you, Jesus. I can do all of those things for you, Jesus. But can you fix my despair? Because I can't. And I'm afraid to ask you because you might just can't do it. Because I can't. That's a woman who's been used to operating in her own strength. You understand what I'm saying? She don't want to stay in a position. Jesus is a friend of the family. So I want to say to you, stop protecting the fear that you may not get an answer from Jesus Christ that is one that you're looking for. You gotta, you gotta, and let me tell you what that takes. It takes you really sitting down and examining how you think about Jesus. My husband said to me about two weeks ago, we were, we were, going through a, uh, a an issue, and it wasn't, it, it was, in, in in marriage, there are times where things have to be worked through in order to see the truth of the matter. Because if you continue to assume one thing, it may be absolutely incorrect. So my husband and I sat down, we were sitting on the side of the bed, just working through an issue to make sure that we were seeing it clearly, me seeing it through his eyes and him seeing it through my eyes. He, gave, he said a question to me, he said, Shalate, do you believe that I love you? That was a very common question and the very natural answer would be yes, but I had to work through, of course the answer is yes. I believe my husband loves me. But before I could say that, all of the other things that were uh, 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 crowding the truth were speaking loudly. So I couldn't say anything because I had, to, I had to subdue the thoughts that were trying to tell me that you don't love me. So you have to, I said that to say to you, you have to think through what fuels your thoughts about Jesus Christ. Don't think you got it all together and all of your thoughts are perfectly in line with the truth. Because I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, they are not. Think it through. Put down the voices in the in your head that tries to turn you against the truth of God's love and care and compassion towards you. That way, when things don't really go your way, you will not have a doubt regarding God's love for you. You won't have a doubt. There's one more woman I want to reference today, a wonderful woman in the Bible. And men, I know I'm referencing women, women, as I said earlier, but I hope you are able as well to take these, uh, these, these, these thoughts and apply them to your, own, your life as well. The third woman I want to address on today, and I see myself in, and I praise and I thank God that I see myself in her a whole lot, is Martha's sister. And you know who she is. Her name is Mary. And Mary is the one... In chapter 10 of Luke, in verse 39, you will find her sitting at the foot of Jesus Christ. She knew there was work to be done. She, uh, I know she saw Martha doing that work, but she saw an opportunity to get filled. She saw an opportunity that she knew she could not miss. She needed to sit at the feet of the one that was about to die for her. She needed to glean all she could from Jesus. She saw the men sitting at his feet. She saw the men thronging him and and talking to him. She said, I got to get some of this. I got to know him a little bit more than what I knew him before. I know he's a friend of ours, but I need to know you, Jesus. So I'm going to sit and be quiet and hear what you say to me. Because I need you more than the air I breathe. I got to have you. I can't let anything distort my perspective of who you are. I can't let the dryness and the parchedness of my land distort who you are. Because I'm like the women in the Bible. I remember what it feels like. To feel your presence inside of me. I remember in my heart questioning if you cared for me. And you came through like you always do. And I know what it feels like to sit at your feet and just look and gaze into your eyes. So I want to encourage you today. Do whatever it takes to get back in right position. Because guess what? We can tell you all day that you got the green light. We can tell you all day that you have been um, enabled or endued with divine and ailment. We can tell you all day that you have to patiently endure. But if you are disconnected from the source, you're not going to be able to do any of the things that we've been preaching about over the course of the past couple of weeks. You're going to feel disconnected. And hopeless. So before we go any further. Before we preach you another message. About completing a task. The first task is imminent. Your relationship. With the almighty God. To see where it is. To see where you are. And what you need to do. To draw closer to him. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to see. What you have to do in order to put yourself in a place where rivers of living waters are springing up once again in you, where you're not at the house hoping to be filled, people not seeing you, or you feeling that God doesn't see you where you are. I'm here to tell you today, he sure does. He sure does. And he is extending his hand to you. And he wants to draw you into his bosom and hold you like a mother holds a newborn child to let you know how much he cares for you. Stand up. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. 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 My soul longs for you, my soul longs for you, nothing else will do, nothing else will do. My soul longs for you, my soul longs for you, nothing else will do, nothing. I believe you have come. I've come. Your soul is longing for the more of the Lord today. If you are on social media and you're longing for God and you're craving, but you just don't know how to get there today, we offer Christ to you again. It's all right, let us help you. I'm gonna pray for you today, and for those in the sanctuary, if you need another dose again of the Lord to feel his presence, to know that he's with you we're going to pray for you as well today. Amen. There is no need for anybody to go lacking the power in the presence of God when the spirit of of the almighty God lives on the inside of us. All you got to do is fan the flame once again inside of you and tell the Lord that you're thirsty and that your land is parched. God, I need you again and again. I need a continuous filling of your presence. We're going to Pray, we're gonna pray, Father. We thank you for this time in your presence and at the altar here, Father, here in the sanctuary and on social media, uh, and on that venue and all platforms, Father. Father, we give you another yes today. Father, we've been operating in our own strength, thinking that we can do this thing on our own. But some of us, God, are saying today that we are desperate for your presence because we know what it felt like when you saved us. We know what it felt like when our passion was raw and real. And and, and so we want that again. And we thank you, God, that we know that you're the only one that can fan the. So Spirit of God, Spirit of the Most High God, fan the flame on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Unearth the passion on the inside of us, Father. We need you, God, more than the air we breathe, more than the song that we sing, Father. We can't do nothing without you. Hallelujah. Your presence, God, is what keeps us. So we need you. Before we go any further, completing any other task, God, we need you first. So, Father, we put down all the idols that we have adopted that has only given us temporary satisfaction. Lord they can't do nothing for us God only your presence can refresh us only your presence can refill us only your presence can cultivate and nourish us God so we turn our affections back to you today hallelujah and Father, I pray a special prayer over the people that are watching us, Lord God, in their homes. Oh, God, the ones who have been thirsting and, and searching you out and just not knowing if you were real and popular culture has made you out to be uh, something that you're not. They're just not know. They don't know if they can you, Lord, but God, today, I thank you, God, that today they have encountered through this message, even if it's just a portion of the real God, you, God, that cares, full of compassion and mercy and grace, God, and that they will reach out to you and ask you, God, what must I do to draw closer to you? I need to know you better than what I did. I've been thinking or believing what everyone else was saying about you, not reading, not searching you out for myself. But today is the day that I search you out, God, myself. Hallelujah. Bless them, God. Put them in the right place, in the right area, with people that will say truth. Hallelujah, that they will no longer be searching, God. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. I pray, I pray, I pray. And we thank you. And we thank you for your presence. I don't ever want to be without your presence. I don't like the way it feels. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for filling me afresh today. I don't ever want to be without it without you, I don't. I know I don't. I always remember. I always will remember. And I will not stray far from you. Bind me to your side. Bind me to your side. Bind us to your side, God. Hallelujah. And if we ever, ever stray to the left or to the right, then you by your power will pull us back and let us know that you love us and you want us with you bind us hallelujah we want to stay in communion with you we want to stay in an intimate place with you be glorified God in Jesus name my soul my soul longs nothing else will do Yes, yes. My soul. Now let me pray for those who may not know Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you want to know him, even after this sermon, you say, I need to know this Jesus Christ better. We tell you all you have to do is do what the scripture say, says. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that you will be saved. So if you know today you're making a decision, a decision not of your emotions, emotions, but a decision of your will to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to pray with me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the the Son of God and that you are sitting at the right hand of God the Father. making intercession for me. Jesus, I believe that you came to the earth and that you died at the cross, on the cross taking away my sin. And that you are the Son of God. And I believe this in my heart. And I thank you that I am now saved. Father, wash me and cleanse me in the name of Jesus for I want to know you better in Jesus name in Jesus' name. Amen. amen praise the Lord
0: I pray that you've been blessed by the message and if you have, write to us let us know how this message has impacted your life on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in